nervous? <laughs> no. Where's your answer? Dennis Beckham, let the ball out! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Dennis Beckham! Oh! oh, no! Oh, yes! He missed it! All right, everyone. Welcome to the Suffering from Joy podcast. I'm Devin, and we're here to talk about the U.S. men's national team roster for the 2022 World Cup. Uh, joining me today is Braden from Atlanta, Georgia. Braden is one of the co-hosts of the Football Academy podcast. Braden, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So, uh, like I said, I'm Braden. You can find me on Twitter at uh, TFA Braden. And um, what the Football Academy is is we talk a lot about Premier League, uh, specifically through a, a sports betting lens. So we'll talk about the games, but we we also talk about it through like the lines. And so you know. Yes, City might win uh, a game against Brentford, but you know maybe at plus fifteen hundred, you want to take Brentford and, and see things happen. Uh, so it, it's kind of it, it always we think sparks a more interesting discussion because it's a lot about like risk reward and trying to find paths to like upsets and that sort of thing. And so we talk about lines, we talk about like over unders, we talk about like if you know anytime goal scores that sort of thing. We have a pretty good time with it. So that's what we do over there. Okay, good. And uh, just for the audience, uh, Braden and I are both Arsenal fans, but you have Man United. Who else do you guys have on there? Uh, Liverpool fan is one of the uh, regular hosts. So yeah, Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal. And then uh, we fairly often have guests. And so we've had like City guests before, Chelsea guests before. We try to limit the Chelsea guests. I, I kid them. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, we, we try to bring in uh, people from other points of view to, to have their say and, and, and not rip them too much. I mean, although right now, I'm getting some ribbing in this year. <laughs> oh, I bet we've we've had it a long time coming. And I mean, regular Chelsea guests here, uh, you've got your own suffering going on there, but you brought it on yourself. Um, okay, so let's get into it. Um, rosters out. We've had about a week to kind of digest it. Um, I don't think there were a ton of surprises, but let's start at the goalkeepers and kind of move forward. Um, obviously, no Zach Steffen. I think a lot of people I've heard kind of say they thought he might have still been in line for the starting job. To me, it was always Matt Turner. But what do you think about that? Yeah, I agree with you as far as the starting job. Like It, it did kind of seem like, well, in my mind, I thought Turner was going to beat out Zach Steffen uh, for the job. It didn't really occur to me that Zach Steffen wouldn't be going at all. So that's kind of an interesting twist on it, I suppose. But uh, I, I don't think it's a surprise that Turner is starting. Like, I think if you read tea leaves and that and, and tried to read between some lines, I think that was always going to be the pretty clear outcome there. Uh, I'm surprised that Stefan isn't going at all, though. I am, too. Um, Sean Johnson, I think, good season, good couple seasons. I know some of us have some Sean Johnson PTSD from uh, Olympic qualifying still deep in our souls, but yeah. he's been a very solid MLS player for years. Um, I've never really rated Ethan Horvath, but he's kind of been having a better season than Stefan. So maybe we're just taking the hot hand here. Uh, do you see Horvath Johnson maybe kind of up in the air as the number two right now, or maybe they're just waiting to get into camp and see who's doing well. Um, where do you see this going? I, so that's interesting. I think that Horvath may have a leg up just from, you know, heroics in the nation's league, uh, last year. It was nation's league and not gold cup, I, I believe. Um, but, you know, Horvath came in, uh, subbed and had, had a really good game uh, in, in there in the final against Mexico. And I think that that may give him just the edge on Sean Johnson. Uh, but like you said, Sean Johnson's been very good at NYCFC. And he's been a pretty steady keeper in MLS for a long time. So I I think that'll be a pretty good 
battle. Um, and, and we'll just have to see, you know, hopefully it's one of those things that either they get a, um, the third group game because we're already uh, <laughs> through to the, to the round of 16 or we can know, dream. Knows, <laughs> or fourth place game. How about that? <laughs> Um, are we worried about uh, Turner's fitness at all? I know he kind of sat out a few games for Arsenal recently. I think that was mostly precautionary, but I think I saw it was a groin. Never a good thing to have going into a tournament, and especially with you know uh, three games in eight days. Uh, do we have any concerns there? And if so, are you willing to rely on Horvath or Johnson? Are we kind of screwed without Matt Turner? Um, how are you feeling about that? I, you know, that would not be an ideal scenario, obviously. <laughs> like, I, I do think this is a case where we have a clear number one and the guys behind them are, are a legitimate step down. But, you know, if Horvath or Johnson had to come in, I think it would maybe impact how we want to play out of the back and such. And I know, like, a lot has been made of Turner's playing out of the back and it hasn't been great at times for Arsenal. But I do think he's a little bit better at it than what I've seen from Sean Johnson at times. I think that might have an impact on tactical, but, you know, the other two guys as far as stop, shot stopping are pretty decent. So I'm not going to get too concerned about that, I, I th- but it's a definite downgrade for sure. Yeah. And I think kind of the Matt Turner, Arsenal, Mikel Arteta level of playing out of the back is a little different than uh, Greg's going to ask anybody to do at the, uh, <laughs> the international level. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's move on. So defenders, um, Nothing really too surprising here. Um, I think I'm happy at least that Tim Ream's going steady veteran presence. It's not like we're nailed down there. I think Dest will start. Anthony Robinson will start. Walker Zimmerman will start. Maybe I think the rest of us are really, really hoping it's not going to be Aaron Long, but it'll be Aaron Long. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you see uh, coming in as a wild card there? You could see Ream start ahead of Aaron Long, I think. Like, I think that there is a path to you get there in the the week of and, you know, they start going to camp and, and maybe Bear Alder sees something he really likes there with Tim Ream. Because, you know, the, the thing for Tim Ream is he's always been a good distributor out of the back. And I think that's the thing that Zimmerman doesn't really do that well. And so I can see a case that Tim Ream there makes a little bit of sense with that partnership, even if it's maybe not the most – even if – Aaron Long, I, I cannot believe I'm saying this, is the <laughs> you, the better defensive option. Uh, I, I think that Tim Ream might be better overall for the the team, but I, I can't say there's any real surprises. Like you could you could argue Richard Cannon if you wanted, sure. Like I wouldn't be mad if he was going instead of like Scally, for instance. But overall, I think like this is a pretty it, it has a Miles Robinson size hole in it. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Other uh, than that, like, who else are you going to take? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of going to be a theme throughout this roster. Yeah. When it first came out, there were some names that I, I kind of looked at, and I went, ah, and then I kind of looked at uh, who, who the other options were, and went, oh well, maybe I get it. Um, but do you think maybe for Reem and for Aaron Long, it might be a little more of a horses for courses? If we're sitting in a little deeper against England, we'll play Reem because he's not the fleetest of foot. Um, or Aaron Long, uh, maybe against Wales to try to counteract some of that um, Gareth Bale speed? I can definitely see that. I, I can see a scenario where we don't have a setback line. And honestly, like, that worries me. Like, I think that going into a, a World Cup, you really want to have your center back pairing kind of figured out. 
and and build around that. But I don't think we have that. And I think we're going to have to do the best we can. And, and that may be matchup driven and that will be fine. But we'll, we'll have to see how it goes and hope there's not any communication issues. Yeah. And I think for me, that's the big argument for Long is he's used to playing with Zimmerman. I mean, to the extent yep. we have any sort of um, partnership that are used to each other in the, in the back. Um, so we'll see how it goes, but I wouldn't wouldn't be too surprised to see those kind of switched around and uh, maybe we'll see something interesting at right back. Um, so hopefully... I, I do have a question for you at right back because um, sure. I, I have a strong opinion about it, but I, I want to see what you say. So do you think that Yedlin is the clear number two to dust? Ooh, I don't know about that. Um, I think Yedlin's there as a veteran presence. I don't expect him to play much. Uh, Greg seems to like Shaq Moore a lot, so it wouldn't shock me at all to see him be the the number two, but I'm really hoping we get as many minutes of uh, Serginio Dust as possible. For sure, yeah. I, I kind of wonder if it's one of those things where Yedlin's a very specific, you know, we're up 1-0 and need to hold on to dear life against, like, England or Wales or something, and, and if something were to happen to Dest, if it's going to be, like, Shaq Moore there instead. I think that that'll be an interesting thing to watch. Like I, I could see Yedlin being a very specific tool in this lineup. Yeah, I could definitely see him coming on later in a game too, as just sort of a maybe a little bit of a cynical speed merchant. Yeah. Um, hey, just run a guy down on the wing, pull him down, get your yellow card, and uh, let's call it a day. Yeah, for sure. I, that that's a perfectly fine use of DeAndre Yedlin, in my opinion. Uh, do you think we'll see Kellen Acosta play at right back at all? I think you could see it. And I think that's probably a reason why Acosta may have edged some people on this roster uh, is versatility. Um, but I, I do think it's going to be, we're, you know, kind of like we talked about goalkeeper. Like I think there's a very uh, clear number one, at both fullback positions. And so I think as long as Dest is capable of going uh, and the game means something. So again, if we're in a dead rubber at the end of the group stage, like, yes, you could certainly see Cullen Acosta. But um, I, I think as long as the game means something, it's going to be dust until um, until it's not. <laughs> yeah, um, until circumstances dictate otherwise. Yep. Because uh, they're kind of split together. Um, let's go ahead and do maybe the little uh, a little bit more of the holding side of midfield. We kind of have our, our nice ring of three guys. I trust all of them. Eunice, Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney. Are we going to see all three of them start every game? Are you thinking maybe we'll only see two of them and play more of a 4-2-3-1? Where do you see us coming out, at least against Wales? I I think we see all three of them, because I I think that this is probably the best spot of a matchup advantage for the U.S. is, is a strong athletic midfield. And, you know, not every team has that. So if we want to do we want to put in the press and go after like a Joe Allen or something and really Harry them. Like, I think you could see all three of these midfielders really being deployed in that scenario where we just try to kind of out athletes and teams there. So I, I expect that to be the pretty standard um, starting 11 is, is those three in midfield. Since you brought him up, do you think Joe Allen is actually less mobile than Kyle Beckerman? Um, that's a fantastic question. Are we, are we talking prime uh, Beckerman or uh, 2014 Beckerman? 
what is even prime Beckerman? Um, I, you know, probably not. Like, I, that's yeah. I'd, I'd have to watch. I'd have to go watch some old clips of Beckerman to, to tell for sure because it's kind of one of those. I want to say no, but I could just have <laughs> like I, I could just be misremembering um, Beckerman and being go back and watch and be like, yeah, he's really just kind of shuttling a a ten yard spy here. Yeah, the uh, the poor man's uh, Pirlo in in some yeah. days. Um, so we kind of talked a little bit about not having a ton of depth. Uh, I like LDLT a lot. I don't see him coming off the bench. I think if one of those guys can't go, it's going to be a Costa experience. He can hit dead balls. You know, he's kind of in that. I really like him in Gold Cup and Nations League games, but I don't really want to see him play in the World Cup kind of players. Yeah, yeah um, I agree. <laughs> okay. Um, so do you think we're going to see outside of, you know, maybe we're chasing a goal and we need a little more active player LDLT at all, or is it going to be those kind of three main guys and Kellen Acosta? I could see a, a rotation in there with um, De La Torre. Like, I, I do think there's a scenario in which we want to bring one, of, even just for like load management, because I think the other thing to consider is how much these guys are, in the middle of the season and you know it's one thing that we don't have access to is like the health data and kind of how they're doing and training and, and what their you know sprints look like and recovery and runs and all that sort of thing so i i wonder if there might be a little bit of load management between some of these guys especially through the group stage just to kind of make sure that you know if we can get to the knockouts like we're as primed as we can for it I don't know if we have that luxury, though. So I can definitely see De La Torre getting a start in there. I'd be surprised if he got more than one. Yeah, and I think having this kind of hyper-compressed group stage might lean a little bit more towards LDLT or Acosta getting more minutes, even if it's not necessarily a start. Or maybe we'll play that um, two-pivot instead of three just so we have somebody else to rotate in. Uh, I could see any of that happening. Honestly, this is um, – it's a it's weird World Cup. Yeah. I guess it's one of those I it did, I didn't realize it until like I actually looked at the schedule and it's like we play a lot of games <laughs> really fast and it it's gonna that's a thing that's gonna affect a lot of teams. Yeah, and I think that's not just for the World Cup. It's both going in. It's the actual competition. It's coming out. Anybody who's kind of making these predictions, which obviously is what we're doing here. Um, we don't have any data to go on. We don't have right. oh well we you know we had this last World Cup to look at. It's well, your guess is as good as mine. It's in the desert and it's, you know, 120 degrees or whatever it is. And it's hyper compressed. It's maybe a kind of quasi air conditioned stadium. And there's going to be kind of a different fan experience than we've seen. And um, are you are you excited about that? Um, does it give you pause? Yes. I mean, all of the above, like once the game starts, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty excited about it. But <laughs> I it's one of those you don't really get the anticipation uh, building into it. Like you do in other world cups that are in the summer. Like you don't have the, you don't have the like late May friendlies and that sort of thing to kind of like see how we're, we're doing right before the world cup kicks off and that sort of thing. Like, it's just, we <laughs> we played a club match last weekend and yep. now we're all in guitar. So I, I don't know. It's it's weird, but I think once it gets started, I, I think I'll be a little bit more excited for it. It's just kind of hard to get in that mindset so quickly. 
Yeah, I think the, the calm before the storm is a little different than normal, and we don't really know how to deal with it. But I'm with you. I think once, you know, that first ball is kicked, we're going to be, okay, here we go. Let's let's get back at it. Yeah. Um, speaking once of we getting get that back first at bounce it, pass. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Greg's going to be dropping sick dimes left and right. Qatar won't know what hit him. Yeah, I mean, um, that's probably the X factor. Like, you see Southgate just distracted by, like, how accurate that bounce pass is. I, it, it's going to be sick. Do you think Southgate could throw a sick dime bounce pass behind the back if he got rid of the waistcoat? No. No. I, 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 think, I think it's something you're born with. I, I, <laughs> it, it's hard to train. <laughs> you're born with it, and, and you can't learn it. Okay, so moving forward... Let's talk about forwards. You said we're going to play three midfielders. So you've got Aronson. You've got Pulisic. You've got Gio. You've got Tim Weah. You've got a few strikers. Who are you taking? Who are your three? Yeah, big handful of strikers. I This is interesting because I do wonder if there's going to be a scenario where I, this is – well, let me back up. I think this is kind of the, in a way – deepest and also like shallowest part of the team because like I, I think we have wingers who are capable of playing in most big clubs and well I should quote unquote big clubs but like in most big leagues like you put Wea, um Pulisic, Reyna and um, specifically those three like those three I think can play pretty much anywhere they want and I can see a scenario in which you know, all three of those will certainly play every game, I think. And so Pulisic may sit a game so that he can come on and be a finisher type thing in a game, it's, especially with five subs. I think it allows a lot more uh, tactical, tactical flexibility than we've had in previous World Cups. So there may be guys who, you know, you're going to sit the first, you know, 60 minutes of this game, and then you are going to come in and raise all sorts of hell in the last 30 minutes. And I can definitely see that being the plan against um, maybe a Wales, like especially if uh, I, th I think Wales is going to sit back and try to counter us more than most people are kind of thinking. Like I think um, most people think that Wales are going to be a team that has possession against us just because that's traditionally what you think of European teams against the U.S. But I don't think that's how it plays out. And so I think, having someone to come on with fresh legs and harry a team that's been defending and trying to break out, I, I think can be really useful. So I think you might see um, some of these guys have a very specific closer role on there. And as far as the strikers, like it, it's really tough to say. I, I think it's going to be who has the hot hand, a hot foot rather in training. And um, they're going to go with that because there's a lot of guys who I think are pretty similar level. Like, I think Sargent's better than like Jordan Morris, for example, but like, I don't know there's that much difference between like Sargent, uh, Ferreira um, and Haji Wright. Like, I think that they're all pretty close and all have uh, things that they're not quite proven. So it's a great opportunity for someone to step up and really make a name for themselves because they've all kind of had opportunities and not really always taking advantage of it. Like you think of Sargent with his, you know, time, the Premier League at Norwich, like it was not great, but he was played out on a wing and, you know, now that he's playing striker again at Norwich, like he looks a lot better again. So I, I think it's, it's up in the air for someone to come and kind of take their, uh, take their chance. And 
Uh, we'll see. I, I think if someone gets a goal in a game, they're going to play the next game. <laughs> I think that's really how it's going to go uh, for center forward for us. I mean, you, you'd hope so. I think I largely agree with you on Wales with one little caveat. They are going to come out in that first game absolutely on fire, probably try to duck a goal in the first 10, 15, 20 minutes, and then I think they'll go and they'll sit back whether they score or not. But I wonder that's if that's pretty fair, yeah. If that affects your choice. So do you want to take someone who's all energy all the time, like Aronson? You want to take someone who's a little more skilled, like Pulisic? I mean, you know, you can go either way with Gio Reyna. Do you I mean do you play him while he's healthy and just play him until he's not? Um, I think Way has been on uh since he's come back from injury, looked pretty good. There's all sorts of different choices. I agree with you on the the striker thing. I think it's going to depend too, right? Like if you're playing somebody with a higher line, you want to go with Ferreira so he can run behind, right? Yeah. Um, Sargent's kind of your, your in-between and Haji's a little bit more of a, a hold-up player. Um, so you think we'll go with one of those? And I mean, I, I hope we don't see Morris. I think he's also one of those uh, kind of elder statesmen there, uh, there to help out. I've been here before. We'll, um, we'll take you along, but I, I don't expect you to see the field. But I mean, are you expecting to see... In that opening game, one of Ferreira or Haji or Sargent start up top. Do you think we're going to play Pulisic or Reyna? Maybe as like a false nine type of thing. Where do you see us going? Uh, at least kicking off the tournament. I think it's going to be. If I had to guess, I think it's going to be Pulisic. I, I think you've got to go with. You know, I know Pulisic has not had a great year at Chelsea or so. Like it, it's been you know, with all the stuff that you seem to have a falling out with Tuchel and, you know, isn't playing great with Potter there at Chelsea. But I, I still think he he is kind of the, you know, whether you want to say the talisman or maybe not even the leader, but like kind of the lead by example guy. Like he, he is a star boy in the U.S., like it or not. Um, I think it's going to be Pulisic. I think it's going to be Sargent. And I think it's going to be Aronson. Uh, for the other wing. Like, I think Aronson's energy, like he's kind of said, to match Wales at the beginning. I, I can see Aronson being told, 60 minutes, you're going to go all out. Way is going to come on and, and finish him off. Like, I can easily see that scenario. Yeah, now that you mentioned that, um, as far as like a, a pure creator, I think I like way off the bench. And I, for me, Aronson, especially the way he's been playing at Leeds, he's the first at least attacking player on the team sheet for me. I don't know about you. Obviously, Pulisic's the captain. We have to go with that, but um, how about you? Do you where do you see Geo fitting in here? Is he a sub? Is he going to maybe start one game? What do you think? I definitely think he starts a game, I, and you kind of hinted at it. Like it's one of those like he is healthy now, so you might as well use him because that might not be the case tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, he um, get get hurt in training. So do you, do you start him the uh, first game just off that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think you also want to kind of manage his minutes and, and again it's one of those like we don't have the data as far as what he looks like and whether he's all the way back or not i know Dortmund have seemed to monitor his minutes a little bit um it it seems like a recurring theme that players leave Dortmund and and you know they had um they had an injury history and, and they leave Dortmund and it seems to get better um so <laughs> i i kind of wonder if that's going to be the case with geo in a couple of years and he is also young and sometimes that can be hard to you know, while your body's still growing and, and you have like soft tissue type stuff, um, I, I can understand uh, understand taking a second. So I don't know. Like I, I think he starts a game. 
and I think he plays in most games. What exactly that role is going to be, I'm not sure. But I, I can definitely see a, you know, we need a goal. Like, even taking out one of the three midfielders, like, it, it could be a, like, Tyler Adams swap for Gio Reyna. And it's like, all right, we've got to go get a game. We're going to put someone with a little more creativity, a little more flair, that sort of thing, and really just have to go for it. So I think Reyna is an interesting piece because I do think he could drop more into, a, I don't want to say like a tra- traditional midfield role, but kind of like that attacking midfielder, not quite a 10, but like a very attacking eight type thing. Like I think he could play that role as well as playing across the forward line. I was kind of thinking about this too. If we're chasing a game, especially against maybe England, do you see any scenario where we drop Aronson back as more of like a a holding mid, but he's there basically to facilitate attack? Oh, that's to me. That's not what he's best at, and, and which doesn't mean we're not going to do it. Um, <laughs> but like to me, I, I really want Aronson being up front and kind of starting that press. And if I think of what our team really should be good at it should be you know Aronson leading the press up front um Pulisic can press a little bit it's not his best thing but that's kind of fine but the midfield behind them uh, should be very good uh pressers and so uh, especially like Tyler Adams uh, has looked good at Leeds uh, and like with Red Bull before so I I think that needs to be our plan with Aronson is he's going to be one of the guys up front that really puts pressure on the opposing back line and kind of gets things going to turn the ball over and get possession again. All right. So we got the roster pretty much covered. Do you think the climate's going to affect how hard we press, how much we press anything of the style of play we've done, or are we just going to do the classic Greg Four three three, kind of pretend we're a possession team, even though nobody can sometimes possess the ball, especially when we're not playing at home in the U.S. <laughs> kind of thing. Because I'm not sold on any any of these uh, guys in Gregland um, not playing inside the U.S. But um, how do you think the both the tournament setup and the the climate itself are going to affect how the team plays, if at all, and um, our performance? Are guys going to get more fatigued? Are we going to really enjoy those five subs? What do you think? Well, I so I think it's going to be a little bit of an advantage for us. Like when we especially think about uh, going up against Wales, like Wales has some guys who are a little bit older. And, you know, when you think about the climb in the U.S., like we were able to take guys uh, into Texas not that long ago where it's not, you know, super hot, but it wasn't, it, it's not like it is when you go into England now. And, it, and it's pretty cool. Like it, it's a little bit warmer climate. I think we have less of an adjustment. And I think, our guys are also a little bit more used to heat than say England and Wales are. So I think it stands <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like in July, Texas is really hotter than England. Um, uh, Phil Foden might melt. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> and so I think there's a chance that we have an advantage there that I don't think that everyone's taking into account. Cause I don't think it's just, you know, playing, I think it's also recovering. I think it's like, it, it, it's just like getting used to the climate and like you go in and like if I grew up in the Southeast, so the, like the first couple of times I went out West and didn't, you know, quite drink enough. And like all of a sudden I can't like breathe through my nose properly. <laughs> like I, I, 
I think that's another thing that we're not considering because, you know, if you go back to Brazil, all of these European teams went either to like Brazil or Miami or Orlando or something like back in May to start getting ready for that World Cup. And they just don't have that luxury this time. Like they all came in a week ago and that's not really enough time to fully acclimatize. So I think we have an advantage there. Um, and if I were Bearhalter, I, I would be saying, let's up the tempo. Let's keep it going quick. We want to really take it to these teams who may not be used to this. I think that's a good point. And especially on kind of the midfielders and the forwards triggering, uh, triggering that press. We're a younger team than most teams. So I wonder if that yep. kind of extra bounce back and recovery will, will play in as well. Yeah, okay. I, I think that's a that's a good call out as well. So let's get to the meat here. I'm not going to ask you for specific game scores. Feel free to give them if you want them. How many points do we get out of the group? Oh, boy. Um, I'm going to go with six. Six. Okay. Mr. Optimist there. Yeah. I I mean, I... The U.S., I think, has a real has a really wide range of outcomes. Like if you told me that the U S won these three matches, like I see a path to them to, for them to win each of these games. That doesn't mean it will happen, but I see a way that it happens where I haven't like in previous world cups, like you go back to 2014 U S Germany. Nope. <laughs> did not see a, a, a possible way for that to happen, but U S England, like I, I see a way that like our midfield, it really gets after, um, uh, an English midfield that I don't think is very deep. And I, I don't know if they're going to be able to recover in as quickly as we will. So I, I see a path for it. doesn't mean it'll happen. Um, Iran is a toss up right now because I, you know, everything that's going on in that country. Like it's difficult to say how that team is going to come out and play. I think like, are they going to be distracted? Is it going to be like a rally around the flag type thing? So I, if you told me that the U.S. got zero points and had a minus seven goal difference, I believe you. <laughs> you yeah, exactly. We, <laughs> if you told me that we had nine points and like even like a plus three goal difference, like I believe you. Like I, I think like all of those things are possible. Um, but I I do think I I think we're well equipped for this group in ways that maybe aren't as obvious. Yeah, I think we covered that. Like the climate, like Yeah, these guys are used to playing in hot tournaments across the U.S., right? Yep. Yeah. Like, you think about Summer Gold Cup. Like, we play in heat. <laughs> played in Austin in June. It's not, yeah. not chilly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, I'll go on the record here, and I'm going to say we're going to get four points, but the three are going to come from beating England. It's They have a king again, 1950 all over. We can do it. I like it. We we got our two St. Louisans, not quite as many as last time, but um, we'll get the job done. Uh, I don't know who the draw will come against. Um, so I guess the other big question, uh, you're going to go with six points. How many goals are we going to score? I'm going to go with five. I think I agree with you, even though I have us with two fewer points. Uh, no, five I mean, sounds like a good number. Perfectly valid. Like, I... You know, I, I craft this like we can do this, and then you think of like Tim Ream on Harry Kane. It's like maybe that's trickier. Yeah. Well, 
I, I mean, PGM, I, PGMOL isn't refereeing this tournament, so well, we might be okay there. Point. <laughs> yeah, and two Arsenal fans yeah. just coming here and shocking. <laughs> yeah, don't bring it up. <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> um, I guess I didn't touch on this, but are there any like big snubs you see from the team? I know we kind of touched on it and said, well, yeah, there's some people in here that maybe I wouldn't have taken, but you look at the people left at home. Um, I think the two big ones for a lot of people are PFOC and Ricardo Pepe. Any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, to me, the biggest, like, quote-unquote snub was Stefan. Like, I, I think if you take purely ability, like, I, I think he was probably in the top three, but I think there's more going on there. Um, I think Pepe is probably the um, the second one. Um, I, I'm not as high on PFOC as some are. Like, I, I do think that Pepe has it in him to score goals. And I, I do think he also has the physical talents, like just the kind of the body to, to cause a mismatch in teams that maybe we don't with uh, Ferreira. So I, I kind of think that Pepe could have been useful, but I also get it. Like he wasn't, he hasn't had a great time in Germany. Uh, he went on loan in the Dutch league and um, is doing a little bit better, but I, you know, if you're bear halter, you can't, just make decisions on what's happened in like the last two months you have to take more into account and I, I don't know that really any of these guys at striker have have said this is an absolute like outrage <laughs> that we're not going like all of these guys have question marks around them yeah and i mean obviously they're disappointed right and they they have a right to be uh it's not like you know we have somebody who's coming in and scored 30 goals for three years in a row that's our nailed on striker right it's it's an open position that's why we're having this conversation um and i think especially pepe was playing well until he had that terrible terrible loan spell and you know he's kind of getting back now but there's also a little bit of the you know you stick me out there and i can score 20 goals in the dutch league um and i can barely run so (laughs) um it's impressive but um so we had this lovely interview, and I haven't watched it yet, with Cristiano Ronaldo and Piers Morgan. Which <laughs> snub do you think is most likely to sit down and have a similar interview, and why is it Paul Ariola? Oh, <laughs> um, that's a good shout. I mean, I don't, I, I don't think we have anything quite like that. Just because, it, in part, I'm not sure, like how big of a story it is. Or, like, Paul Ariola, like, is he going to get on with Lawless and, and have that conversation? Like, I, I don't really see that happening because um, kind of the only people who would really be interested is American media, and I think most of them are pretty much gearing up for World Cup. So I I don't think we have anything like that, but Ariola could be a good shout. Like, I, I think he's one of those guys that kind of had himself penciled in and Obviously, Bear Halter's called on many times and, and didn't get the call, which I I think is interesting. Like I think Bear Halter has gotten a lot of criticism over taking, you know, his like MLS guys. But I do think he when the time has come to make like an important roster decision, like I think of the Nations League uh, versus like the Gold Cup roster when those were both in the same year, the Nations League final, the Gold Cup. And it was very like, our best roster is on the nation's league final. Like we're, we're not in, you know, here for the gold cup. And I think that when that happened, I think Fairholder mostly made the right decision. It's just like, there's all these other games that you look at Russia and you're like, huh? Like, like why, why did I go over this guy? And I think 
is it dumb luck? Is it strategic? I don't really know. Um, but I, I do think when it's kind of come down to make choices for a tournament, I think it's been okay more than it's been terrible. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's a classic of the genre, right? Like we all know there's some stuff going on with MLS and U S soccer. That's not exactly on the up and up or what it should be or however you want to put it. But I don't think Greg's really at fault, at least for the starters here. I mean, you look at Aronson leads Adams leads, Pulisic, Chelsea, Reina, Dortmund, like you can go down the list and most of the starters are guys playing in Europe and yep. the people that aren't you talk about like Walker Zimmerman. Well, who else are we going to put there from Europe? There's not really an, an option. So I think the, the MLS guys that are playing are ones that should be playing. So it's kind of, kind of hard to criticize them on that one. Yeah, I, I agree. Like I think overall, like it's, it's more or less as strong of a roster as they could have made. I agree. Um, okay. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up here? No, nah, I, I think we're pretty good. Um, do Do you think? Uh, what do you think the best case scenario for this team is? Ooh, actually, I did want to get into this too. Um, I could see us getting to the quarters, and maybe if we get like a really weird favorable draw, kind of like Croatia did on the back half of the bracket in 2018, and we get really lucky, we might be able to eke our way to the semis, but I see this as like a going out with a respectable showing in the group stage or losing in the round of 16. That's you? most, yeah, that's mostly what I see as well. I'm trying to take a look at, um, and what the what the knockout's going to look at like so um in the first round of knockouts we play group b one or two depending on where we finish i figure the winner of that group is very likely going to be netherlands so i i think we probably need to try to win the group because if we i i can't see netherlands coming fourth in a group with ecuador and i think it's senegal and um, Qatar. Like, I just don't, I just don't see them not winning the group. So like, I think we really need to push to try to win the group, which is a tall task, but I do think it's possible. But if you think of that second team, I no money for Senegal. If they go, That's I correct. think we could, I think we could potentially manage that. Um, Qatar, like home nations are always going to be tricky and who, who knows what shenanigans are, are afoot. Um, and, or if it's Ecuador, like, I think those are all the winnable game. Um, so if, if we were to get first, we would then have like group C first or second. And when I look at those groups, it's kind of, I mean, you could get a pretty tough, at, like you could get a France and that would be trouble You get, or Denmark. And that could also be trouble. Um, Argentina's in group C. Uh, but you know, you could have a U.S. Mexico showdown in the quarterfinal, which would be a lot of fun, if not terrifying. Um, but if you can avoid the group winners of those, I think you've got a pretty good shot at winning that game. Like Denmark's scary, but Australia, Tunisia, if, if they get in there, if if they can squeak through, isn't that terrifying? But I, I would want to avoid France and Argentina. Obviously, I think those are obviously contenders to win at all so i don't know like I, I think like you mentioned if you get the right draw this is a team that i don't 
it's one of those they are such a young team that I think they might just go and not understand that they're supposed to <laughs> not be that that good. Like they're like they're not supposed to go to, to the you know semis or something. Like I, I don't I I don't think that happens, but it's one of those weird things. Like you've got a young team that I don't think that people real I don't think people are really taking that seriously. You can see something. Yeah, and I mean, you know, maybe we'll play 10 minutes against Wales, be down two goals and just throw our hands up and go, oh, I don't know what we were thinking, right? Of so course, yeah. It's a weird, you know, desert World Cup in the winter in the middle of the season. Nobody has any idea, right? So yeah, Argentina sure. may come through and they just, you know, maybe trying to play a, a fancier type of ball and we just out-hustle them. Who knows, right? Yeah. So, so along we'll those, yeah, along those lines, um, I'm going to kind of ask the same question in two different ways. How good does the U.S. have to do to keep or for Burhalter to keep his job slash how bad do they have to play for him to actually get fired? <laughs> so uh, I'm going to answer both of these in how I would do it. Um, oh, okay. well, like I said, it's basically that's a bit of a cop out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it is for me. And then, and then I'll say what U.S. soccer what I think will do. Um, so for me, Berhalter needs to make the semis to keep his job. Like I, I'm very anti taking a coach for a second cycle. Like I just don't think it turns out well. I think we have a really good shot at doing something pretty great in 2026. And I, I would hate to go through there with a coach on a second term that I don't know has fully earned it. Um, for us soccer though, I think if we get out of the group, there's a good chance that Burhalter is going to be offered to continue. Whether that means he makes it to 2026, I'm not 100% sure. Like, I could see, like, a Bob Bradley repeat. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, that was my follow-up question was, let's say, you know, we just have the worst World Cup ever. Greg resigns. He doesn't even have to get fired, right? Right. Are you, this is your decision. Are you taking Jesse Marsh? I'm more of a Sharundalo kind of guy. Where are you going if, if you get to make the decision? I, well, I don't think Marsh, uh, I don't think Marsh is wanting to come and take a national team job just yet. And I think he probably shouldn't. Um, that doesn't mean that he won't be offered, obviously. And I think it is one of those jobs that, when you're offered, if you're an American coach, like you have to think really long and hard about it. Um, but I, I'm going to say no to Marsh for now, mostly on, I, I would like to see him continue at a club career and, and kind of develop there a little bit more and then take the national team job in, in a few years. Um, Trundolo is a good shout. Um, and beyond that, it's kind of hard to see where, like, who is the up and coming American. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's one of those. Could the could U.S. soccer go back to Martino? Do they want to after how bad Mexico is has gone for them? Like, I, I don't know. The next hire is really tricky. I don't think there's any standout candidates. March will be the hot name, but. I like I said personally for me I'd rather see him continue his club career just a little bit. 
I agree with you. And I think the other thing there is you can hire somebody else straight after the World Cup or even hang on to Greg if you wanted to. And let's say two years down the road, it's just not working out. Maybe then you can bring in Marsh and you're not asking him to commit that whole four years when he's still kind of a hot yeah. European name right now. Um, so you can almost kind of hold him as as an ace in the hole, at least to offer um, going forward. That's true. Yeah, like you could even have that conversation now and just be like, probe interest is if things went south, what would your interest in it be um, if it's not right now? So I, I could see that approach being taken. Like you don't necessarily like the, the decision to stay with Bearhalter directly after this World Cup does not mean that he has to be the manager in 2026. Correct. Uh, one last one. Top scorer. Uh, specifically for the U.S.? Yes. Um, I'm going to go with Pulisic just because he's on penalties. I think that will be a, a, like he's he's one of our good he's one of our you know primary goal scorers for the team anyways. But I think being the guy who takes penalties is a little bit of a boost for these things because yeah, I was talking about it on our pod the other day. Like the Golden Boot winner generally has like five or six goals, mm-hmm. so like and that's for the whole tournament. So you get a guy who can score like two or three in a group stage if you don't go that much farther like that's kind of it and so it feels like can get a penalty get one in another match like he'll be in pretty good shout for it yeah i had a sadio mane for my tournament uh top scorer so i think i'm gonna have to go go back and uh, revise that prediction but um i i I think i'm with you we'll we'll take pulisic uh two or three i'm gonna go with three Um, okay i I think I think he has a, I think he has a game where he gets an open play and a penalty, and then a, another random uh, goal in there. Okay, yeah, you're you're the optimist here. So um, I actually like three yeah. as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, Pulisic with three, five goals in the group. Um, okay, we'll wrap it up here. What do you expect your biggest moment of suffering to be watching this World Cup? Uh, and I feel a little weird. Obviously, it's the theme of the podcast asking that question with everything we know that's going on with migrant workers, with um, LGBTQT people, pretty much anybody in Qatar right now is not having a great time. So I feel a little weird using the word suffering, but what are you expecting to be kind of the most painful part of watching this as a U.S. national team fan? Yeah, specifically as a U.S. fan. Um, I, I'm going to go with Gio Reyna's pulled hamstring. Okay. <laughs> it, Inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like one of those, we're going to be having a great match, and then it happens, and it just like slowly fades away. That That's what I'm going with. And and then just the uh, bottom falls out of your stomach. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to give up an absolutely crushing goal on a set piece that's very avoidable. And um, yeah, and it's just going to destroy the morale of the team and we're going to go out based on that I, um, I can see that but i also expect us to be fairly strong in set pieces I, you know maybe less so with Reem, but I, I, zimmerman is very very strong in the air and I, to me that was one of the reasons to take a peppy is like he can draw some fouls with you know being a physical guy um that i think maybe a guy like ferrera doesn't have and like i i think Especially once we get past England, I, I think Zimmerman being able to score a goal could be a really key part part of us um, pulling a surprise result. 
Yeah, and I think that's a good Kellen Acosta late game sub. Hey, yep. it's kind of a choppy game. Let's get a set piece, ping a ball in, and see what happens. Uh, I mean, that's how we ended up beating Ghana. Uh, John Brooks comes in, corner goes up, ball goes in. There we go. Yep. Okay. Um, well, thank you for joining me. Uh, I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. This is a lot of fun. All right. Thank you very much. Bye. Here for Austin Jarrett Stroud. It's Diego for goodness. He has written his name into Austin folklore. They just won't go away. Oh, he hits the upright again. It's impossible. The Bears' season's going to end on a double doink. Altino squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.